Happy Mother's Day, everyone. So good to see you all this morning. We're doing things a little different here on Mother's Day. We're doing something that we're calling Five and Seven, which we're going to hear from five lovely ladies this morning. They each have seven minutes to share what faith is to them. And so you're going to see a timer up there. Not that we're putting any pressure whatsoever, but um, it's going to be such an awesome time. But I want to just give you a little intro of each lady before they share. So um, first, I guess I'm, my name's Courtney Walker, and I'm just doing the intro, so that's easy. I'm married to Russ. Um, we've actually been in Spicewood for one day. We did our big move out here yesterday, and we just have to thank everyone, which is probably half of you that showed up to help us last yesterday and last evening and cleaning and cooking and you guys are such a blessing to us, and we feel so grateful. Like, we went to bed last night. We're like, we're so grateful for this body of believers. So thank you so much. I know we kind of then rolled ourselves out of bed this morning, but and I'm definitely getting a massage after service. So um, thank you so much. But our first speaker today is going to be Miss Cinda Brooks. Um, she's been, yes. And a little bit about Cinda is she's been married to Stanley for 23 years. She doesn't have kids, but she has Buddy, a dog that lives up to his name. Um, no grandkids, but she is a very busy auntie. As a vocation, she was a nurse and a Texas game warden. Um, but she's retired as a lieutenant and now travels, competes in athletic events, volunteers, and is a pub published author. She's been in Spicewood for 25 years, a little longer than us, but she's originally from East Africa, as her parents were medical missionaries there. A fun fact about her is that she's represented the U.S. in the World Police and Fire Olympics, competing in seven different countries and bringing home the gold in the biathlon for the last 24 years. She was inducted into the World Hall of Fame, and she was a drill sergeant for the Texas Game Warden Academy for many years. She's a, she's a force to be reckoned with, so... <laughs> Um, she also doing all that, she was leading a women's life group and she would make the ladies do push-ups if they ever cussed or used the word menopause. So, um, she is also a certified image consultant and has occasionally been known to wear dresses backwards. So, um, our next speaker is Lisa Kirby. She... Um, Lisa's been married to Chris for 30 years. Um, she's got three kids and no grandkids. Um, she is currently a student at One Chapel College, and she is all things creative here at One Chapel, so we appreciate that so much. She's been in Spicewood for 13 years, originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And her fun fact is she was a former Kansas City chief cheerleader, insurance defense attorney, and homeschool mom. She loves authentic conversations with people about what's really going on in their hearts and lives and loves to encourage them around a cup of hot tea. Our next lady is Beth Peoples. <laughs> Beth has been married to Max for eight years. She's got two kids and also no, no grandkids. And she is currently the finance director here at One Chapel. She's been in Spicewood for eight years and she's originally from Seattle, Wisconsin. Oh, Seattle, Wisconsin. <laughs> It's WA, not WI. It's Washington. Um, and her fun fact, Beth, um, when she was in second grade, she had the lead role as Betsy Ross, if you guys know who Betsy Ross was, of a bicentennial play for her school. 
her teacher also get, got them onto a local TV station where the play was televised. I would have liked to see pictures on that one, Beth. Um, all right, our next is Zoe Kinney. And Zoe has been married to Matt for 10 years. She's got three kids and no grandkids. You can tell she's young enough. If she had grandkids, we'd be concerned. Um, she owns her own virtual wellness franchise, and she's a holistic lifestyle expert and educator. She's been in Spicewood for two years, and she's originally from Orange County, California. Her fun fact is that she danced professionally with Paula Abdul in a commercial. Um, dance was her passion, and she got to tramp travel um, and choreograph internationally. We have some really talented, awesome women up here. And then last but not least is gonna be Brenda Carlton. She's been, yes. She's been married to Larry for 17 years. She's got two kids and two beautiful grandkids. And her occupation, she's an Advocare independent distributor for health and wellness. She's been in Spicewood for one and a half years, and she's originally from South Texas. Her fun fact is that she's learning to play the piano at 63 years old. She also loves to dance. Her dance is, is the two-step polka, western swing, and, jet, and jitterbug. So we're going to hear these ladies seven minutes each, and they're, we're, I'm excited just to hear about what faith is for them. So we're going to start out here with Cinda Brooks. All right. Hey, faith is confidence that God is able. So if I pass out, you got my message, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I have I've longed for and prayed for faith. Uh, but what I realize is that really what happens is that my faith shifts from God is able to I am able. You know, I'm, I'm a loyal member of the Just Try Harder Club. Is anybody else a member of that? Sorry, it's a hard membership. But um, I learned self-reliance at an, at an early age. And then at age 16, I learned the myth of self-reliance, the myth of I am able. I found myself in a very desperate situation, handling it pretty well, I thought. I was adulting at 16. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I was living in Kenya. My parents were medical missionaries. Mother had returned to America to take care of her sick father, leaving Daddy, my twin, uh, Linda and my little brother Chipper to fend for ourselves. Daddy got hepatitis and declined very fast. We were losing him. That left the three of us going back and forth to school. Daddy treated himself at home. He's the doctor. And he had us stop off at pharmacies in Nairobi and beg them to sell us IV fluids. And then they'd shut us off and we'd go to another one. We'd come home and Daddy taught us to put IVs into his hands. Then he got sicker. He got very yellow couldn't keep anything down. He got dehydrated. He put IVs into his arms as he declined into his legs. The night I remember so difficult is him so tenderly talking Linda through putting an IV in his foot. She's crying and she's trying to find it and she can't find the vein. Um, we're, we're desperate. And Daddy called us together and he said, Kids, my liver has failed. And unless kicks in by tomorrow, I'll die. The next day, we put him in the hospital. We 
were still, in, we went back and forth to school. We'd check in on him at the hospital. But we were desperate. We ran out of money, um, food, fuel, even worse than that, hope. We were losing daddy. And um, we were having trouble at school. We were threatened with suspension because we were being late. I didn't tell my teacher what was going on. I didn't ask for help from missionaries. You know why? Because I'm able. I am stubbornly able. I can do this. Well, it came crashing down. Against Daddy's wishes, I made a phone call to America to ask for help from Mother and um, to find out that she was on the way. She cut her trip two weeks short, had to tell her parents and my brothers who were in college that I, something's wrong. I know something is wrong. And so she came to help. Mother's faith continues to inspire me to this day. God worked the miraculous. Daddy recovered slowly but miraculously. And I learned a lesson that I have to relearn every day, which is God is able. Can anybody relate to that struggle between God is able and I am able? Well, we're not alone. Uh, the, the guys that walked with Jesus struggled with faith. He, he said, hey, guys, you know, if, if you just had the faith of a little mustard seed, you could move mountains. Get this. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. I really connect with, uh, with Peter. Get this picture. Peter's with his buds in a boat in a storm that is raging around them, and there's some, a man walking across the lake. Okay, they're scared. Get this. These are professional fishermen. They're experienced. They, they know their boat. They know this lake, and they're afraid. That's a he heck of a storm, you know? And Jesus calls out over the storm, Hey, guys, hey, guys, be brave. Be brave. I'm here. I'm able. So much like our own life, isn't it? When you're in the eye of the storm, what do you do? You put your eyes on Jesus. You know what Peter did? He put his eyes on Jesus. He steps out of the boat and he walks. He does the miraculous. But then his face shifts to the fear and to the storm and probably to that boat back behind him that's got the security, the safety, the bank account, the friends, your image, your work, whatever security for you. And he begins to sink. So just like us, we tend to do that. Let's put our faith, put our faith on the one that is able. Let's not forget boats sink. There's nothing wrong with boats, but they sink. Don't forget who floats our boat. Know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, you know, Paul tells us, Paul says, he writes this from a dark, miserable prison. He says, well, he doesn't even know if he's going to live another day. He, he only knows one thing. He says, I know who I believe. And I am sure he is able to guard what I've entrusted in him until he returns. Wow, that's powerful. I want to share a, a very quick story. Um, recently, Stanley and I went to the um, uh, Kennedy Space Center. It reminded me of a conversation between my twin, Linda, who went back to Africa as a missionary. She was outside talking to William, who's a Maasai tribesman. And they were looking at the full moon over in the snows of Kilimanjaro's popping up there. And, and William says, Linda, I think the white man is ever so wise. Why do you say that, William? Because they built a, a car that went woo, way up to the moon. William, do you know there are men that built that car that don't know the God that made that moon? Quickly. That's Swahili for you got to be kidding. 
Surely the white man is not so wise. So here's my question to you. How do we get from here, I am able, and these things that are in my boat, I am able, I can do this, over to here, God is able. Hebrews, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by what? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion that initiates and perfects our faith. It's not up to us. Focus on Jesus. So here's my takeaway. One, don't forget boats sink. Two, put your eyes on Jesus. And your faith is only there. What I want you to do is I want you to say with me, God is able. Say that. God is able. I can't hear you a little louder. God is able. God is able. Whisper it to your soul. God is able. God is able. Get on your feet. God is able. Stand up. Yeah, God is able. Thank you. Let that float your boat. Faith is holding on. I'm going to unpack that for you, but first a confession. I am in a little bit of of a hard place right now. I'm chalking it up mostly to menopause, but the, the truth is, is that I just don't feel like myself. I mean, emotionally, I feel like Eeyore. I, I've been a tigger all my life. I, I really don't want to be Eeyore. And uh, mentally, I'm foggy, night, foggy, foggy, night, foggy. You know, um, physically, I won't even go there. Uh, spiritually, I feel like I'm in this like dry, rocky lands, you know, of the badlands of the Dakotas or something. But, and it's, it's certainly not the hardest place I've ever been in in my life. Um, but, and, and I don't mind being, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to embrace suffering. God's done great things through hard things in my life before he's taught me things I could have not learned otherwise. And I can... I can remember back to the incredible things that he's done in my life, and I can have a lot of faith even in this hard place. When I look back at my marriage particularly, you know, Chris Kirby and I, when we got married, we were a train wreck waiting to happen. I mean, I, I have hope for everybody because we were such a mess. I mean, I really do. I really do. So we, you know, it, those of you that know us know that we're personality polar opposites. We came into the deal with, you know, broken ways of thinking and relating and coping. And over the course of time, that just, that caused a lot of hurt and damage in our hearts and in our relationship. But God worked a long, simmering, three-decade miracle (laughs) as he transformed Chris Kirby and I and as he sustained our marriage, which really, I'm telling you, was a miracle. It's a miracle that we're still together. And so, yeah, yeah. And even recently, like, so, so he's done that. But even in this latest season, y'all, you know, through Catalyst, which I highly recommend, by the way, and um, some godly counseling, he has, you know, done a straight-up miracle of healing hardened hearts and bringing us together with a deeper connectedness than I could have ever imagined that we would have again. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind, the, the, the love we have for each other now. I would have never thought that it could have been this good. So, 
you know, and he's done other things too. My kids or uh, uh, my kids, he's done amazing things in their lives. They minister to me. I mean, it, that's amazing to me. Uh, healing, he's healed me of autoimmune disease. He's healed my heart, like physically and emotionally. He's done, for those of you that have been around for a while, you know that this was kind of a thirsty, this place was kind of a thirsty place for a lot of years. And a lot of us prayed for God to come and bring life in here and heal people and and, and bring abundance of his presence here. And a few years ago, through one chapel, that's exactly what he did. So I've seen God do things, and it helps revive my faith when I remember the things that he's done. I'm figuring that probably some of y'all are in a hard place as well today. Maybe not menopause, but perhaps, perhaps you're in a hard place and disconnected marriage like mine was for a long time. And you've prayed, and maybe you're even seeking counsel, but for now it's still just hard. Or maybe you've got a kid who you love with all your heart, but they drain you, <laughs> and you can't seem to recover. Or you've got a prodigal one, and they're going off the rails, and there's nothing you can do but pray. Or maybe you've gotten a diagnosis that looks hopeless, or maybe worse, someone you love has, and you're praying for healing, but as of yet, you haven't seen a shift. Or maybe it's job, or finances, or anxiety, or an addiction that has you hard, and you're praying, but you haven't seen the shift that you need yet. What is faith in, in hard places? Faith is holding on. Can you say that with me? Faith is holding on, holding on to truth, to the truth that the good God of the universe calls you his child. You are his beloved child, and he has good intentions for you, and you won't always be in this place. Faith is holding on to truth. Faith is holding on to each other you know, allowing other people in to know you and to be with you in your humanness and your frailty and to love you in that place, to be Jesus with skin on in that place so that you can know him there. And last, faith is holding on to Jesus. It's, it's a heart that says, God, I don't know how you're going to work this situation out. I don't but I trust you, and I believe you could work a miracle right here, right now. But even if you don't, Jesus, I am holding on to you, and I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to follow you in this place. I'm going to be obedient to you. Faith is holding on to Jesus. And I believe that there are some of you here that have been in really hard places, much harder than my menopausal funk for a really long time. And I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you this morning. He has not left you. The absence, the presence of pain does not equal the absence of God. He hears you when you pray. He's near you when you cry. He's near you when you're frustrated or angry. He has not left you. And he wants to encourage you to hold on. He sees you day after day walking in faith, 
and obedience, even in places where people, other people would applaud you if you did something completely different. And he's pleased. He's pleased with your faithfulness. And he says, beloved, I'm with you. Hold on. Faith is holding on. Faith is freedom. Do any of you ever struggle with feeling valuable? To know that the messy, imperfect you is completely lovable? Do you struggle to believe that your mistakes or your sins don't define you? Man, I struggle with that all the time. But the Lord brought a shift to me about a month ago. I made a really big mistake. I mean, we're talking like disrupt Sunday service, not just for Lake Travis, but Monterey Oaks, Kyle. It really could have been huge. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. I think I told Max and Steph about it. But I was just like, I was telling Laura, I was like, I, I'm not telling anybody else because I am too embarrassed. Well, of course, I'm having my weekly meeting with Russ, and I feel the Lord say, you need to tell him. I don't want to tell him. He's my boss. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> but I did. Told him what happened. And, of course, his response was to immediately laugh and say, Okay, it got taken care of, right? Yeah. Okay, so what's the big deal? The big deal is that I was not perfect. I failed. <laughs> Seemed kind of obvious to me, but but he looked at me. He gave me this stunned look. It's kind of like, "Do you always expect yourself to be perfect?" Yes. Yes, I do, all the time. If I'm not perfect, I get rejected. If I'm not perfect, I'm worth less, right? But, but as we continued talking, something began to dawn on me. What Russ was reflecting back to me was an internal world that was free from this war, this war of having to be perfect, to be loved and to be accepted and, and, and to still be trusted. I, I left that conversation really aware of how much grace I didn't really grasp. And I've been a Christian my whole life. But, but there was such a contrast because I was sitting before someone that I know he likes to have things perfect. He likes things to be in order and to go smoothly and all this kind of stuff. But, but he wasn't bound by that the way that I was. So I went home and I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> we got to figure this out. We got we to gotta get me free from this. And so he took me to Galatians 2.20 in the Passion Translation. And it reads, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. 
for the nails of his cross crucified me with him, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. This immediately took a weight off of me because I don't know, in, in a lot of translations, it says, faith, I live by faith in the Son of God. But this one was saying, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It takes it off of me. It takes it off of you. The pressure is gone. It's on him. His faith brings freedom. And then I went to Galatians 3.23. He says, so until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith, which was destined to be revealed, would set us free. So Jesus' faith sets us free. But what was his faith? His faith was just like Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel. His faith was in a promise. The promise that his death and resurrection would bring freedom and salvation to everyone who would come after him and believe in him. This is the salvation and freedom that Jesus declared about himself in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. My faith, your faith, doesn't, that, the amount of faith that we have doesn't determine our freedom. Our freedom has already been determined because of his faith. His faith brings freedom. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Not only does Jesus' faith free us from the prison of the law, his faith is freedom for the brokenhearted. Do any of you have a broken heart? I do right now. My biggest pain is that my son is not following Jesus. And it hurts. I want him to be with me, with us in eternity. I don't want to be without him. Some of you have your own heartache. A grief that grips your heart so tightly you can't help but cry out in anguish. But Jesus has faith for that grief. And his faith comes with a guarantee of freedom for your broken heart. It's not about our faith. It's about his faith. His faith brings freedom. So if you're like me and try to walk out faith in your own strength, or if you're sitting there and, and you're, you're feeling the weight of a broken heart, I want you to know that there is freedom because of Jesus' faith. And I want to encourage you to let Jesus' faith be the freedom in which you stand. His faith brings freedom. Nice. All right. I'm already crying over that. So let's get through this. So faith is risky, you guys. So how many believe that Jesus risked it all on the cross so that we may live? 
right? Isn't that such good truth? And, but I want you to think about it. How much do you actually risk so that you can come alive on this earth? And I believe that risk indeed shows how much faith we have or lack thereof. And it takes a lot of faith to leave what is familiar to us. And because sometimes our unresolved pain and suffering limits what's possible for God to do with us, even though we have God's unlimited power and love available to us all the time. And so we just have to trust him as we choose to walk forward into actually coming alive into our healing, into our miracles, and be filled with that love and power. And so for 23 years, I walked this earth with lots of shame and unworthiness. Gosh, God has been working through me in this message, so I'm really sorry. I felt trapped, and I felt lost, and I felt powerless. Somebody had stolen my power when I was just young. And as a child, I was sexually abused by my earthly father, my birth father. And it created a deep wound deep inside me that started shaping me for the enemy's agenda. And it started luring me away from understanding and feeling God's great love for me. And so I tried to cope with all this by controlling everything, right? Anybody else control freaks out there? And so I actually... um, For over a decade, I really suffered with an eating disorder that held me captive again in something else. And so I looked everywhere to everyone else and to everything but my heavenly father. And you guys, right, like you can't blame me for not going to him, right? Because really, how could he accept me, right? I was broken. I was dirty. I was messy. I was used. I had all these like flawed parts about me. And so the other thing is, why would he love me? I didn't love myself, so how could somebody possibly love me that much, okay? And the other thing is that I didn't even feel it was possible for me to trust my heavenly father when my earthly father stole that trust from me at such a vulnerable age, Um, being a child, right? So who could I trust now? But I want to tell you that he saw me and he sees you. And no matter what is going on in your life, that he is protecting you and he is loving you through everything, even though you are running far away from him, right? And so I want to tell you that he saw me through it all because I decided, well, I see that now, really, because I didn't see it then, right? Um, I I see it now because I decided to wake up five years ago, to this amazing Heavenly Father's love. And I used to sit out in church like y'all, and I used to like hear of all these amazing speakers and the pastors preach of all these miraculous healings that Jesus would do and of his great love and all these things that he was providing for everybody else and these amazing stories in the Bible. And I thought, you know what? I am no different than those people in those Bible and those people speaking up here. And I decided at that moment that I was going to start walking towards my faith step by step, even though I didn't believe it, and even though I had to risk it all to walk towards that faith, I had to let go of everything else that was bounding me backwards, and I had to move forward like an arrow, right? And sometimes it was a, it was crawling to get to that faith, right? Anybody else been there? Like, you're just like, please get me there, right? Um, and so, you guys, I crawled my way to that faith, and Jesus healed me. And he delivered me from all those things that held me back. And he gave me back my power. And he gave me this love. And I can tell you, I can 
feel his love. And I just like, you know, bask in it. And I'm just so grateful that I'm in this place now. And so I want to tell you that I am scarred, but I am made whole. And it is so amazing, right? And so this is the thing is, It may be uncomfortable, like I talked about, but you have to risk stepping out in faith even when it gets worse before it gets better. And so, y'all, I faithed it until I made it and until I could finally receive it, right? So I want to share with you this morning, I know, right, from Mark chapter 5, 24, 23. And I just want to set the scene. So Jesus was on his way to heal a very important little girl in culture, the daughter of a synagogue leader who was dying. But Jesus teaches us a really important lesson in this, is that he stops the crowd. And he stops going to heal that little girl for a no-named woman, like myself, in a crowd of thousands. She was unimportant and she was an outcast. And, um, you know, I totally felt that way and you may feel that way as well. So verse 24 reads, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And the woman was there who had been subject for bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of doctors and spent all that she had. Instead of getting better, she was getting worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up from behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And how powerful is that, you guys? She just thought, and her her faith made her walk towards her healing. And so she she was still too ashamed in that moment to face Jesus, right? And so she just walked up and touched him. And she took steps into that city, into the unknown, into the crowd, so that she could receive her healing. And she faithed it until she made it, right? (laughs) So at that time, immediately... In verse 29, it says, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from all her suffering. I just felt like, immediately, you guys, Jesus heals, and he is my healer, and he is your healer as well. And once Jesus realized that that power had gone from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? right and he and you and I can just see his disciples saying like dude what are you talking about everybody is around you what do you mean who touched your clothes right and so Jesus kept looking and searching for who had done it and then the woman woman knowing what had happened she fell to her feet at Jesus and told him the whole truth even though she was afraid and I love that at once Jesus was still searching for her and seeking her even though she was hiding in the crowd because when we authentically approach Jesus we can shine and his light shines through us. And so I want you guys to know that you are imperfect in his perfect love. And I want to ask you to take the mask off because God sees what's going on behind you, even though we're trying to hide it all from him, right? And so I want you to know that if Jesus stopped the crowd for an unimportant, unnamed woman in culture, and if he stopped the cycle for me, a broken, flawed, and abused woman, and if he went to the cross and died for your sins and for my sins, then he is going to heal you. He, and I'm going to ask you, are you risking it all for your healing and for your miracle? Are you faith in it until you make it? Wow, and I have to follow that. (laughs) Faith is now. Most people say that Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. But what it really says is now faith is 
the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now means now. That's present tense. Right? Today. For too many years, I was tossed about. I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who God really was. You know, I prayed, well begged, God to do something about this or that, and, you know, things weren't changing. And then I realized that God's already done all he's going to do. And when Jesus went to the cross and said, it is finished, it's done. God is not going to send Jesus back to the cross. Then I learned the cross is not a seesaw. So when doubt and unbelief crept in, I had to pick up my sword, which is the word, and do battle. Now, we don't battle against people. Ephesians 6 tells us that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. It told me I had to suit up and stand in righteousness and salvation and peace to hold up my shield and to pick up my sword, speak the word, and boldly declare what it says. Oh, my goodness. Faith and the word go hand in hand. We speak the word, faith goes forward. It requires a corresponding action on our part, okay? And not just any, any action. A year and a half ago, my dad was diagnosed with a mass in his right lung. And after days of sitting there listening to the doctors, I thought, what are you going to do about this? I got up, walked over, laid my hands on him, and I cursed the mass in the name of Jesus, told it to go in the name of Jesus. Then I commanded dad's body to line up with the word of God and to be restored to its original God-given DNA. 24 hours later, as we were going in for a CAT scan before a very dangerous biopsy, the surgeon called me in and said, I can't and I won't do surgery. This thing has drastically shrank. I don't understand. And I said, that would be my Jesus. Thank you, sir. Three days later, I took dad home. Faith is acting on our belief in the word. We have to learn the connection between faith and belief. A person can sit in the middle of the grocery store knowing and believing that the food on the shelves will, will keep him alive. But if he doesn't get up and put the food in his body, he can die right in the middle of the grocery store knowing and believing that, that food keeps us, will sustain life. Exercising our faith is the corresponding action to our belief according to the word of God. Faith is what carries it to completion. Abraham believed God, and God called it righteous. But belief got it started. At some point, we have to believe what the Word of God says and then begin to move in the corresponding action. Because when we believe it so much that we begin to speak it and act on it, our faith gets ignited, and then we can expect God to do miraculous things. Today I see so many people that don't know who they are. I recognize that because I was there. 
Now I'm not where I want to be yet. But praise God, I'm not where I used to be. I know who I am. I am a blood-washed daughter of the Most High King. I am joint heirs with Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places with him. And I'm righteous just because he says I am. And so are you. Pick up this authority. What does all this really mean? It means we have to step in to our God-given authority and put the action to God's word. It's a choice. You either believe it or you don't. It's just a decision. Larry and I as grandparents come alongside our precious kids and raising up two mighty warriors for this kingdom. They will carry on our legacy and do great things for God. Now is the time for us to rise up and stand in the authority God has given us. We need to break the identity crisis and know who we are and whose we are. And if our future and our family's future depends on that, and if we don't battle, who is? We have to battle. It's every day. I know today I have a bullseye on my back. And the devil says, oh, God. She's up. I know who I am, and I want you to know who you are. When this revelation that now faith is came to me, oh, my goodness, it, the switch flipped inside of me. Everything inside of me woke up, and I heard, it's time, it's time. Wake up. Rise up. Everything inside of me woke up. We have to rise up and step into the authority that he's called us, that he's given us. And he said, you are my warrior, princess. Isaiah 61 says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen up on you. We must be doers of the word, not hearers only. We must put to action what we know now. Will your name be in the hall of faith? I believe it's almost impossible to separate faith and vision. Hebrews 11 enshrines men and women of faith who triumphed in their own lifetimes. It's about the heroes with faith and their vision for the promises they saw from a distance, even though they would not receive them. I believe we are the who that they were waving to. We are the actors in the play and the vision that they saw. Faith is now, and it's knowing and believing that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. I believe one day we're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask us two questions. What did you do with my son, and what did you do with what I gave you? We've got some women who can preach, huh? Russ better maybe watch out over here. It was so good. It's so good to hear people's faith stories. It just, I think it builds our own faith up. So I appreciate that. Well, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Moms, all you moms, whether you're a physical mom, a spiritual mom to those around you, um, we're so thankful for you women who are life givers. And please make sure you get a massage on the way out or sign up or stick around. Um, let's go ahead and close in prayer here before we go this morning. Father God, I'm so, so very thankful 
for your son Jesus. And thank you for each and every woman, woman here who just was so vulnerable to share what you're doing in their lives. And Father God, just let us be able to take those lessons and, and learn them for ourselves. And that our faith walk would just grow stronger and stronger. And Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we're not faithful. Um, Lord, I pray that you're with each and every person as we go here this afternoon, and for each and every woman and life giver in this audience, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon.